Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to another exciting edition of Fright School Isolation. Hello, Joe. <laughs> Hello. I love that musical. Hello, Joshua. <laughs> Just trying to bring it to you. I'm trying to bring it to you every episode, every pod, every pod. I'm trying to bring it to you. Ah, Joe, I'm so excited because we are joined once again in the, in well, in the virtual learning distancing center. <laughs> By uh, actress, writer, producer, cat and yoga enthusiast, the wonderful Jenny Olson Six. Welcome to Fright School, finally. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is going to be fun. We're going to have a fun conversation talking about the Evil Dead uh, and, uh, and and all the other things that we're going to talk about. It's going to be fun. Yay! All righty. <laughs> So before we jump in, uh, what are folks doing? What what are you watching, Jenny? Let's start with you. Let's just throw a let's throw a little uh, wrench in the <laughs> in the okay. format here. <laughs> so so um, wrench in the format. Caught that wrench. Um, we have been um, well, we've been binging everything, and then we discovered. Um, actually, I I did something first. I read the book first. American Gods. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so then we watched season one and then they wanted to make us pay for season two and we're just mad about that. So we stopped doing that, but we switched over to Good Omens. Oh, yeah. So we just finished that yesterday and now I'm going to read that book. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I loved uh, the the first season of American Gods was really great. I I did not finish the second season. I just struggled with they had a lot of changes and um you know a lot of people came and went and uh, so it, it was a little bit harder. So I don't know if you're maybe just fine having just seen the first season. <laughs> uh but somebody will attack me in the comments, you know, and no, you have to watch it. Uh but Good Omens was a masterpiece. They did a fantastic job with that. So I funny. Loved it. I loved it. So funny, so cute, so um, you know, just uh, and I and I hadn't obviously I haven't read the book yet, um, but I I just enjoyed it so much, and it was very lighthearted when it could have been not. So oh yeah, I really appreciated that. <laughs> so a little bit of lightheartedness with my yeah. And so Joe, have you had you seen uh, the good uh, Good Omens yet? No, I haven't. It's on my Amazon queue. Okay. So, it, you know, again, this is one of those things where it's like there's all these newer shows that I should be watching. But I've just I find that like if I'm, you know, working on the computer editing or something like I don't want to watch a newer show because I don't have my attention to it. Yeah. Um, but you're but anxiety Joshua, watching. <laughs> exactly. I'm anxiety watching. Right. Um, but Joshua, you would say that Good Omens was a good adaptation of the book. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, they okay. did a great job. It's it's wonderful. So and really, yeah, really funny. I mean, and you know, your deal. It's like the the funniest story about the end of the world, <laughs> the apocalypse. So it's just very um, smart. You know, Neil Gaiman and um, Terry. Oh my gosh, the name just left me. Is it Pratcher? Pratcher. Pratcher. Yes. Pratcher. Yeah. Pratcher. Um, they're just so funny. Like their their sensibility and the way that they you know dip into like biblical uh, mythology. Well. 
mythology, uh, <laughs> biblical iconography and all to, to tell this story. It's, you know, things that you're familiar with, but the way they just kind of twist and turn it a little bit is, is really nice. And the show follows that they do, they do a, a really brilliant, brilliant job. So yeah, highly recommend <laughs> for watching. Plus it's fun. You know, you can laugh about the world. in. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I am. I had been watching because uh, I didn't finish it, and I don't remember why. Well, I think it's because I was waiting week after week, and I just hate that nowadays, so I've been binging. <laughs> uh, the Exorcist series, so with Gina Davis, the first season. I'm up, I think there's 10 episodes. I just finished the seventh. So I watched something. I ha- I'd only seen the first couple episodes, so I- I'm binging that, and I'm reading the uh, Lovecraft Country. I'm about a quarter quarter to a third of the way through the book because i'm anticipating the the series coming mm-hmm. uh it's really good really really good although you know it's one of those like content warning because you know um it's set in like the 50s and so like the real horror is like all the racism that these characters are experiencing you know we haven't even really gotten to like these lovecraftian monsters yet it, mostly it's just horrible white people <laughs> <laughs> so it makes it for yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, so it, it makes for, you know, kind of a, a very, um, hard read at times, you know, cause it just, you get so pissed off. You want to reach through the pages and strangle these people. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, what about you, Joe? What else are you watching besides? Well, I, I mean, watching I'm, new things. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm, I'm like, not watching newer things. I think like the newest show that I finished was Hollywood. Uh, Ryan oh. Murphy's Hollywood. I haven't started it yet. What'd you think? You know what? I, I, I like it. I was, I was really mad at the end. Um, and mad for two reasons. One, mad that like the final episode in the miniseries is just like, let's just, you know, throw as, how much can we throw into it as possible? And mad that it's not, this didn't actually happen. Like, even though a lot of the characters are composites of real people or actually based on real people, at the end of it, the way it all kind of works out, it's that it makes me really, it makes me kind of mad that, like, that those things didn't really happen to, you know, people. Like, and the treatment they give Rock Hudson is such, like, slash, you know, like a retelling and slash history, you know, like, retelling of his story has been really interesting to watch. Um, but it's, I, I think it's a really cool show. It's interesting to have, um, it's, it's definitely everything. If you, if anyone's, if you've read any interview about it where they talk about it, it's exactly how they're promoting it. So it's like, what if, um, you know, what if every, all the conversations that are being had now about representation were had during the studio system back in like the forties and fifties? And what if we had those conversations earlier? So it's interesting because I've seen a lot of like, um, um, I don't even know, alternative history yeah, type dramas. Yeah, I was going to ask. I was going to clarify. Yeah, so it's alternative. Yeah. Okay. yeah, so it's like alternative history type dramas before. And this one really takes it there and, you know, adds a lot of the texture of the time. But it, it's also interesting because like one thing I, I, one thing I hate is when you're trying to do something historical and then you just like throw in a bunch of characters of color just because like without any context. Um, I was watching the new, uh, Magnificent Seven, uh, with Denzel Washington, uh, directed by Anton Fuqua. And it was just like, let's just throw in all of these characters of color who, you know, 
have like there's reasons why they would have been there at the time but they're not really fleshed out it's just they're kind of just like dropped in there because let's have more diversity and not really nothing there's no there's no um storytelling about why they would be there you know and so with this one i think it does a better job of like here are here there's a reason why there's this there are people here um it addresses like darren chris who's like half filipino it like his character is also half filipino and talks about like asian erasure in hollywood so that's been that's that's been a really um it was a really fun watch and i did it all in one day that's the other thing too is that like i just literally binged it all one day it it really lends itself to that um but one thing i wanted to bring up was uh so Peacock, the new NBC streaming service that's coming in July, they're starting to release these little videos getting ready for the the drop. And they um they released a like monk reunion on on Peacock. And so Tony Shaloub you know comes back as monk and the and the title of the episode, it's like a very short thing. It's Mr. Monk in the quarantine and just how like monk would be it during like quarantine and it shows him like you know singing uh 99 bottles of beer on the wall all the way through to wash his hands um and (laughs) like keeping six feet away in a zoom call um but i also i didn't know this but that tony shalhoub and his wife actually contracted uh the virus so they actually contracted and survived uh covid19 so um it was interesting to kind of see them do that and they're doing it obviously it's for charity it's for um they're doing it to raise money but um i just thought it was so interesting because that i've had that thought many times as you know i've been watching the series and i'm like "Ooh, this is what how would he be how would he be doing and then you know somehow my thoughts were mined for content and there we are So, right. so wow that was that was yeah. a journey i took you a on journey. a journey <laughs> <laughs> but okay it well, sounds sounds good i've never watched monk so i don't really have a lot of context i know he's like ocd and you know this sort of thing you know i i, I get that but i i never seen it but i'm glad that that's out there for you joe and all the people who love monk i love tony shalhoub from because of uh marvelous mrs mazel which i'm looking forward to another season of that coming out um but yeah, happy, happy, more monk content. Yes, more monk <laughs> content for me. Um, yes. Also, you get to see. Also, I feel like you should watch at least two episodes of Monk, if nothing, to see Buffalo Bill as a police captain. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a Ted Levine, like Levine. Um, he plays. Uh, he plays like the police captain who hires Monk to consult on stuff and. His comedy is hilarious. I think I knew that somewhere in my brain because I feel like in high school, a friend of mine's um, parents loved Monk and they watched it uh, religiously. And I feel like I remember being at their house and being like, oh, that's Sons of the Lambs, dude. Uh, His voice, you know, it's just so iconic. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like... You, you you can understand how like even more traumatizing it was to watch Silence of the Lambs for the show with that like knowing that that's like who and I just kept thinking like who is that and I'm like oh it's it's Captain Stottlemyre from <laughs> it's Monk's best friend <laughs> love it uh, so one quick thing real quick before we get into uh, chatting with Jenny and 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 getting all the all the all the scoop on her life um i got the latest episode of rumorg you guys can see this but um <gasps> uh 
Yeah, so I, I I subscribe to Room Org. It's awesome, and they have the new Candyman uh, reboot sequel, whatever you know you want to call it, as the cover story, and covering all kinds of stuff in it about Candyman, the current um, uh, film that's that should have been coming out this summer, but now is delayed to who knows when. So sad, uh, but also just the whole legacy of Candyman, starting with Clyde Barker's original novella, The Forbidden, and examining that, examining you know the original film, the sequels, kind of all these sidebars, a whole uh, conversation about Cabrini Green in Chicago. It's great. Awesome, awesome, awesome um, edition. So I strongly recommend people pick it up, either the physical copy or uh, the digital uh, version, because uh, it, it is out now and it's really good. It's got a great um, interview with uh, the, the director of the new film. And in it, she, and I love, there was one one thing she said. Hold on, sorry. This is with, um, what is Nia? Uh, shoot, I should have had this bookmarked. Anyways, never mind. Um, oh, she kind of addresses the Jordan Peele's Candyman thing and how happy she is that people are are pushing her name out there. Joe, it's Nia DaCosta? Yes, Nia yes. DaCosta, yeah. Yeah, um, so pushing her name out there, uh, even though she's like, hey, I love Jordan Peele, glad he asked me to do this, so awesome, but, you know, she's so thankful that the fandom is out there like uh hello he didn't direct it <laughs> but it has a great interview with her about making the film too so highly recommend just wanted to put that out there for recommended reading this uh week ahead of uh whenever this Candyman movie is going to come out so without further ado let's chat a little bit with jenny because you've got a uh, cool uh horror you know connection here <laughs> Uh, but, um, tell us, uh, yeah, let's just, uh, well, let's, we'll start with our usual thing. So, uh, you know, are you a big horror fan? Um, I would say that I have been a horror fan for a while, although I don't tend to watch a lot of the more recent horror. And I mean, like, I, I kind of had to step off and I don't remember which season it was of the walking dead, but I, I just, it was too much. Like mm -hmm. I, I just literally, and I, I have a feeling that part of that was, I was so invested in the characters and really in, in horror films there it's short, it's two hours, it's over Yeah, with something like the walking dead, it's ongoing in your living room week after week. And, um, at a certain point, I just had to, like, my nerves, like, I can't yeah. take watching it anymore. <laughs> so it's not necessarily the gore for you, because a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, I don't like horror films because I don't like gore, you know, because obviously that gets associated. It's more of, like, just that ongoing anxiety investment, like... It, it's that anxiety investment, and it's that um, I'm very uh, empathetic, so I... Mm -hmm. I and um, that... So I even though like there's the artifice, like I've been in film, I know what I have an appreciation for what is going on. Technically um, it is that um, suspension of disbelief. And I really just like, there was one episode I was in my friend's living room and we were watching and I was literally shaking. And I was like, I can't do I can't do this to myself. <laughs> it's not anymore. sustainable. <laughs> yeah, this is sustainable. I'm going to start to go to therapy from trauma from watching The Walking Dead. <laughs> uh, do you remember what the first uh, horror film you ever saw was? 
Um, boy, I gotta think. It. I want to say it might have been the Evil Dead, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it may have been A Nightmare on Elm Street. Like that might have been my first one, which was also like at my age and at that time was like totally scary and horrifying. But I would not not watch it. Like right. <laughs> you had to watch the second one and the third and, you know, it, yeah. So, but I think that that was the first one that I watched. Nice. Yeah. Hey, I mean, that's great. Uh, that's great credential there. <laughs> you know, great film. Um, so before, before we started recording, we were talking about you have uh, experience making horror films. You know, you're an actress, writer, producer. Is, is it purely, um, well, you just tell us, tell us some fun story about working on a horror film. <laughs> sure, sure. So um, I've worked on a couple and actually uh, my first Venture, actually, my first venture into acting, back into acting as an adult, and I didn't even think that that was what I was going to be doing at all. Like, I was doing something else. And my friend's boyfriend was making a horror film. Um, and I, I mean, I was a zombie. Uh, we had, uh, he was actually a professional makeup artist from. I want to say The Invisible Man. It, it shot in San Diego way, way, way long time ago. Like we're talking like 1998, nine, something like that. But he did such a tremendous job. And they shot a scene at my house because I had a garage and it was a creepy garage. So the zombie <laughs> could break into my garage and break through the door and, I don't even think I got a copy of the script. <laughs> what ended up happening is they were like, do you want to be in it? Could you do it? And at that point I had um, really long blonde hair and I was um, a 80s hooker zombie. So I was in cut This off, is amazing. <laughs> right? I was in cut off shorts and this horrible striped uh, sweater that looked that they then made really dirty and it was really good makeup like it, it was really he did a great job and I had rotten face and rotten teeth and um, I kept like he he kept putting me like right in the front like of one of the first zombies to bust into this room and I said to my friend I I said you know I, he doesn't really have to do like I, I'm like there are other people like I, I don't want to get in anybody's way like I I don't want to you know he doesn't have to do that like I thought he was doing me a favor because I loaned them the, the garage yeah yeah and she, and she was like no, he's doing that because you're the only one paying attention. <laughs> right? So note to actors out there, this is how you get – if you just show up and pay attention, you will you will be in the shot. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, that film will never be seen by the light of day because this was also the early days of digital cameras. And back – way back when – uh, there was, you had to turn on some sort of light inside the camera itself 
and the camera person did not do that. So when they went to go see the film, it was really dark, like uh. not in a good way dark. And that, I don't know whatever happened to, I don't know whatever happened to that, that crew or film maker or anything, you know, that was, but that was my first adventure into horror. <laughs> so <laughs> show up and pay attention and then you'll be chasing people through the woods of San Diego, <laughs> a, you know, Mission Porch Park and um, in, in your zombie hooker eighties. <laughs> <laughs> So. That's amazing. <laughs> That's too bad that it's it's lost because that would be that'd be a fun thing to link uh, for folks to, to check out. Right, right. Do you have any photos or anything from that time? Or I do, I do. I have one somewhere. It's not even it's not even digital. Like it's an actual photo. So I will oh. see if I can scan it. Yeah, if you can, that'd be awesome. We'd love to share that on Instagram, like just as a as something fun, you know, for 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 people to see. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just want to see you with long blonde hair. <laughs> right, right. Because this natural red color that I have is so not natural. But um, that, was, <laughs> yeah, that was my response to um, my hairdresser saying, well, you have gray already in your hair. And I was like, how long is it? Pull one out. And she's like, it's like four inches long. Like it, it, it was blending in with the blonde. I was like, that's it. It's red. It's not blonde anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! Um, that's how you know. That's how it goes. Um, any what? Uh, have you made any other horror films? Anything that's out there that people could find and see? Yes. Or, the, or maybe you're like, no, cut this. We're not. <laughs> right, right. No, cut this. So, um, I worked with. Um, it's on my IMDb, so I can't really escape from it. Like it's there, and and I, nor would I want to because it's it's kind of quirky and weird. And, um, I did a couple of horror films with, uh, a director, um, David, uh, Quitmeyer. And, um, I don't know that he's doing anything now. He was a, he was a respiratory therapist by day. So I'm sure that if he's still in that line of work, he's still, you know, thank you for being on the front lines. Thank you for, you know, doing your job right now, which I'm sure is not easy at all. Um, but he, um, he, he has, uh, he had interesting background of, um, what he was known for, but he was going into horror. And so I was in a couple of his films. One of them, was called I think it was called Mail Order Bride and it's out there and it was basically like I mean this is kind of this is a while ago and it was way before you had um actual uh robot sex dolls right so he (laughs) did that film um and I played uh I can't remember what her name was, but I basically had my own cooking show. And the premise of this film was that um, you were supposed to program the doll with porn. But instead, what happened is instead of porn being played, horror got played. So the doll ended up killing and cooking (laughs) the guy (laughs) that bought her. So, you know 
karma. <laughs> um, huh. There's a there's a nice yeah. There's a conversation in there somewhere for sure. <laughs> right. Um, and then I did a film called Mr. Buttons about a killer doll. So that nice. was that was a little bit more <laughs> extensive. Um, that was um, because I am killed by the doll, and uh, you know I worked with blood and um just uh different um different things in that film um and it was it was fun I also was uh I played a parent of the child who had the killer clown doll that ends up killing her parents you know so um so that was kind of my first um experience into a little bit of a longer film and uh uh, a little bit more like action and violence. And so um, I was, I was really lucky that I knew the um, actor that played my husband, my spouse. So it was instantly comfortable with like the, the violence that had to kind of take place. So, um, so yeah, that was an, I've had different, like I've been more into some sci-fi with some gore in it, like, but more on the sci-fi end of things versus the horror end of things. So nice. Well, you know, I mean, that that's kind of an ongoing conversation here is like, you know, there's so many of these like, you know, quote unquote, like A-listers who got their start in some, you know, campy horror film, you know, because they're easy to, you know, you're right. I mean, if you, if you're willing to show up and willing to get dirty and messy and do the work and pay attention, you know, it's, you know, it can be a fun experience and, you know, and getting that, you're like, okay, now I have a couple of horror films under my belt, you know, kind of move through. Plus they're not terribly hard to fund, um, you know, if, if you're, if you're lucky and just like anything else, like in that right place and find investors and all of that, but they can be done very cheaply and can pay off really big obviously as we'll chat about in, in right. with the evil dead <laughs> right. which a lot of what you're talking about your experience is kind of exactly what these people went through mm -hmm. uh but we'll get into that uh you know so I, I don't know i always think it's fun to hear you know the, the those sorts of experiences of like you know horror always seems to be such like a gorilla type of <laughs> filmmaking right. you know <laughs> where it's like we're just doing what we can and <laughs> Just you know, making those decisions. <laughs> oh yeah, run fast because we don't have a permit in this park. You know that's kind yeah. Of the... <laughs> <laughs> See, I love that. <laughs> Everybody, we're going to be arrested. Uh, film it. Um, we'll use it somehow. Um, you know, you got you to make the most of every of everything. So. Um, Anything that you're working on that you can talk about or, you know, or I, I know you also write and, you know, so, I mean, what, what is, you know, just, you know, just do the, you know, the promotion thing, you know? <laughs> well, um, what I can sort of say, uh, hi to my agents, ma'am, out of Seattle and um, Elegance out of San Diego. Uh, yes. I, um I had a film scheduled to shoot when this all went down and mm. it's a very sweet 
set in around Christmas time is what I can reveal. I was going to be shooting it in Spokane, Washington, and Idaho. And, uh, of course, that has been postponed, but that will happen. It's just not going to happen right now. Um, that's that's how much I can say about that. Um, so I'm excited about that. And then I was supposed to do a local casino commercial as, as every um, – you know, actor <laughs> does like, I, I think I did, I did all of them in San Diego back in the day. And so I'm like, well, I got a whole state now that I can work through here. So, uh, they actually just reached out because not all casinos have reopened. So right. it's kind of a, it's kind of a perfect time for them to actually shoot a commercial, you know? So the other one that got canceled, and then it got canceled, like, because of snow and bad weather. It wasn't because of this. And um, they just reached out. So I'm probably going to be doing that sometime soon. Um, and uh, as you can hear, I finally got off my duff and got actual professional voiceover equipment because um, I was relying on just popping into another studio if I ever got – because I really haven't pursued that a lot. Um and so that's my new learning curve is learning how to, you know, do voiceover and do it effectively. And, you know, um, so and this is the stupid thing. You know, when I started in this business, like I came from IT, <laughs> I, came from like running, <laughs> I came from like running a help desk and I don't know what's happened, but I like technology like i just struggle with it sometimes <laughs> like That's so this funny. morning so uh i don't know what took me so long because it was literally like i i asked what kind of a microphone i needed i ordered it it sat in the box i took it out of the box and I plugged it into my computer and it works like it's not that hard, <laughs> but I just have like this, uh, learning curve in my mind of, I don't know what it is that I just go, oh, I'm going to mess it up. And no, it's, they're, they're really that smart for you. They have thought of it all. It's not yeah. the days of digital camera and you have to turn an extra light on for it to work. It's like, no, you take it out, you put the plug in it and you put it in your computer and it works. <laughs> so, yeah. If it wasn't for, if it wasn't for this type of like, uh, you know, plug and play type technology, like I don't, I probably would have delayed my podcasting for maybe another two years because that's what because <laughs> that's what really kept me from from doing um from starting it in the beginning was just the idea of like going into like having like creative thoughts and execution and knowing how that all is going to work but the actual idea of like getting technical and oh you i, I mean i was podcasting for two years before i figured out and learned how to actually like edit things out of a podcast so and i was i was just doing like you know free form conversations and like oh i guess we have to start over now because you messed up or said something you weren't supposed to say and so I mean, it took me a while, but again, like it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, once you actually are in it and you get through it, right. Like it, you realize like, oh, I guess I could have been doing this a lot sooner or they really, my, it, it's really not as like bad or technical as I thought it was. Right. So 
Yeah, yeah I totally feel you there, Jenny. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. It's amazing how well the the mics perform as well. Because I think about like years ago when I recorded my first uh, EP, like ten years ago or something like that. You know, we did it at the house because you know it's like a guitar vocals, you know that kind of thing. But like the mic sound, we had to like we took apart the spare bedroom's bed and took like the mattress and box spring and built like a vocal booth. <laughs> Because the mic was so terrible. And now it's like, I don't know, it's like the technology all kind of makes up for that, you know? Like, I mean, I'm in a pretty big room with a high ceiling, and it doesn't sound as echoey as it used to (laughs) when you're trying to, like, you know, perform. So it's kind of amazing. So, well, we appreciate you having that because that just adds to, you know, our our dear listeners' uh, experience of our our luscious voices. so before we're going to take a real quick break before we talk about the evil dead, but I did want to, uh, speaking of our lovely voices, uh, you can see our faces. If you check out the comments, uh, or the, uh, the show notes, you will see that we have a, uh, we did a live episode with horror movie night and there's a link. It was a blast. We had such a good time with the boys, uh, horror movie night live episode three. Uh, it was, it was total fun. We chatted about camp and all kinds of other things. And it it was really, really fun until I had technical difficulties and vanished for a moment and kind of blew the whole ending, but that's okay. Sometimes that's what happens in a horror film. You know, you're doing really well and then it just goes to shit, (laughs) but everybody else did well. It was just me. Um, I, I, it was my, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but it was a lot of fun and we just want you to check it out because it's, we, we enjoy hanging with those boys and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll keep inviting us to do things and we'll have them on again. (laughs) Right, Joe? Oh yeah. It was mostly like we were, we were there to like discuss camp mostly and then it turned into like just, uh, just an awesome conversation about just like horror in general and, Yeah, well, it's fun because so. it's interactive because people are commenting. And so the show evolves as you're like, oh, let's answer that question or let's talk about that comment, you know? So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You have a plan and, you know, like with any live show, no. might go a little sideways. So, all right. Well, we will uh, be right back uh, to talk about 1981's The Evil Dead. That's why I don't have sex. It's not because of my face or my general attitude towards human beings. The thing is that they don't refer to any of these things as murders, which is the most amazing part. It's always referred to as a disappearance. There's fucking blood filling the back of a truck. That was certainly nice of me, wasn't it? Huh? Same set as Castle. Um, <laughs> what? Is that really? No, but I would believe it, actually. That wouldn't shock me. That's... I can't imagine that there's a ton of castles that Charles Band has at his disposal. <laughs> That frog is gonna bang Roddy Piper. Nope, she's just one horny toad. <laughs> Justin Lung just screamed that he's a fucking walrus for so long. He keeps yelling "cuckoo-cuckoo" and shit. <laughs> Join me and Matt as we discuss some of the worst of horror every week on the Horror Movie Night podcast. Listen at hmnpodcast.com. All right, welcome back. We are going to chat about 1981. Sam Raimi directed and uh, did he and writer? Yep, uh, The Evil Dead, chosen uh, by Jenny to discuss. Uh, yeah, Evil Dead. I guess originally they were going to release it as, or it was filmed under the title Book of the Dead, but uh, the um, 
the uh, what do you call it, the distributor, uh, could see into the future, could see, could see so clearly that Joe would refuse to watch any movie with book in the title. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to have to read this? Uh, no, uh, but really, they did. They were worried that kids would not want to see a movie uh, that might feel literary. I guess is what is the is the uh, quote I read. So they changed it to the Evil Dead, which is a reference to the uh, these demons. Uh, what are they called? The um, Kandarian demons or something? Anyways, uh, yeah. So we got um, very uh, familiar territory here. You know, five uh, college kids hitting up an isolated cabin, and you know, because of their their wickedness, they have to pay. Uh, right, <laughs> Joe. Let's start with you as usual. What did you think? And how many more times are you going to watch this movie before today? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah this movie this movie wasn't what I was expecting. Um, just because, um, I know Bruce Campbell to be this, like, icon of, like, comedy and camp, and to see him in this role as, like, this very, like, this very serious, um, for the most part, like, role, uh, playing it very straightforward, it was so, it was, that was probably the most unsettling part about it, um, and also the fact that, like, they're really, um, it was kind of like blah 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 Sumerian Book of the Dead, blah blah blah, <laughs> and then the rest of it is just like you know cackling and the dead taunting him. So I mean, and and that was and gore, gore upon gore, gore. and right. gore upon gore, which which I actually didn't mind. I thought that was like that was actually really enjoyable. Um, see, Joshua, this is what you've done to me. The gore was really enjoyable. Um, <laughs> But it was it was definitely not what I was expecting, and probably something that this is like a movie that if I owned if I owned like a cafe or a coffee shop and it was Halloween, this is what I would play on this projector in the background. Just and people would be like, "What the hell's going on?" I'm like, "No, that's Halloween." Like, and you know, as, <laughs> as traumatizing it's as Halloween, it's evidence by the Evil Dead. <laughs> exactly, the Evil Dead is behind you. Um, it did make me want to see. Um, because, you know, as we've gone to like conventions and things, and this often gets referenced by people in their cosplay or what have you, this did make me want to see the, the sequels and then also potentially start the uh, TV show, Ash versus the Evil Dead. So, um, I will say that like, I don't know when I'll, I don't think I'll see this film again, but I probably will like, this will be the beginning of like my evil dead, like journey through. You're ready. You're ready for that journey. I'm ready for the journey. <laughs> Plus like, you know, I mean, again, I also want to see how the turn is like from, uh, cause it's supposed to be like a comedy horror type thing in like the subsequent movies. Right. So yeah. I'm yeah. curious to see how they make that jump. Yeah, I mean, they even kind of consider the second one, there's debate of whether or not it's just a remake of the first, you know, in order to kind of capitalize more on the on the dark humor of it. So this was kind of interesting because our last episode was about The Cabin in the Woods, which obviously owes a massive debt to this film, as do lots of, I mean, this is kind of such a, I mean, there were movies that came before it that are set in that, you know, Cabin in the Woods kind of trope, but this is like, even, you know, just such, such a massive, uh, entry in. So, um, Jenny, why, why, why this film? 
So when we come to people and we go, hey, pick something, and they go, the Evil Dead, we go, hmm. <laughs> right. Okay. So um, I watched this probably when I was like 13 or 14. And let me just uh, preface this by saying I grew up in a really sheltered family. Like we were not allowed to watch these type of movies and very religious, ultra uber religious. Um, so do you want to say what, uh, what, um, what uh, denomination or what, what religion, what religiosity? Uh, there were many. Okay. Oh, okay. Very, like, <laughs> Just a fire and brimstone Christianity. Let's just call them fundamentalists. Um, okay. Speaking tongues, uh, you know, blah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Like those Southern Baptists oh, giving it oh, to you. Yeah. So, um, anyway, um, but my friend Jennifer, her parents were, we left the Mormon church parents. So they were a lot looser with what they allowed her to do and watch and, you know, and drink, you know, so, um, <laughs> so uh, you know, um, I is, that the, is that the pull quote? <laughs> right. right. Um, and drink. So, and drink. So I think that this was probably watched with, I'm, I know it was watched with her, but whether we watched this at her house, whether we watched this at Brandy's house, like we were, you know, uh, there was, there were many places that we could have watched this. And I remember. As just kid, not your house. Just not my house. <laughs> I know. Um, so I remember watching this and it was so scary to us like and then we would tease each other like with the we're gonna get you you know that whole thing that I completely forgot about until I watched it this time and I watched it this time of like you know how and I know that you you know what I'm talking about how when you've watched something before and you have that impression of things and how scared you were and so I watched it this time remembering how scared I was. And then I was watching this as the adult person today going, Oh my God, <laughs> this is, this is so amazing. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> why was I so scared of this? And, yeah. uh, and then um, just all of the different things now that I look at this as like, this is a beginning filmmaker in works in progress and we know now that he's gone on to do many things and he's produced many other horror films like you know and and of course this was the beginning of this franchise but i clearly remember watching this film and then watching the evil dead 2 which is the big departure and high camp and ridiculousness that i was like i at that time when i watched that I I appreciated completely <laughs> and wasn't scared at all. Um, so it was it was hilarious. So that was my wanting to go back to this original film and look at it from that perspective of like, why was this so scary? And now watching it again, because we just watched it the other night, and I was like, <laughs> why was I so scared? <laughs> Did you watch it um, on Netflix as well? Because it's available now on Netflix. Yeah. So yeah. just to plug that there for, you know, yeah. in case our listener is watching, wants to go watch it. Hey, there you go. It's available on Netflix. Um, 
Yeah, it must, like, do you know, like, some of the history of how it was made, you know, kind of like in fits and starts, and they... No, I knew, I know no history, and I didn't look up any of that. Um, oh, okay, it just, it I sounds... I really love to know. Yeah, well, it just, I mean, you know, I it just sounds a little bit like kind of the story you were telling us earlier, where they really... You know, I mean, it was this like hellish experience for them because they thought they they went to Tennessee to make it because they were afraid of like making it in Michigan, I think, or or something like that, some mm-hmm. northerly state, uh, because of the winter. And then it turned out to be like the coldest like temperatures on record for Tennessee, while like their home state was perfectly fine. <laughs> so everybody was freezing. They were in this real cabin in the middle of the woods with no heat, no electricity, no running water, uh, trying to make this film. The actors had to uh, sometimes stay in the makeup for days because they only had so much, you know, and they would like film for a while, run out of money, and then go beg for more money <laughs> to, to make wow. it. Cause it looks like the overall budget in the end, I'm sure this might include marketing and, and such. Uh, and this again is in, you know, early, early eighties dollars, 81, uh, 350 to $400,000. Uh, but it was a, you know, it made a bunch of money at the box office. Uh, it looks like 2.7 million, but in today's dollars, almost 30 million. So, you know, a good return, but it was a, it was a terrible, uh, <laughs> Right. <laughs> situation for everybody involved, you know, which is, I mean, true for a lot of like, you know, horror films, you know, we've all heard those, uh, you know, if you, if you know actors or know people who are, who are making horror, sometimes it's, it, again, it is that guerrilla, guerrilla, whatever I'm trying to say, filmmaking approach, <laughs> you know, plus they, I, I think they only had like a 14 or 15 page script. So a lot of it is um, just, you know, uh figure it out you know lots of improv is in it lots of you know kind of working uh, that sort of uh, way so <laughs> right right so like, um, go ahead no, go ahead oh i was just gonna say i just love it like a, um, a a kind of a story like this that you know even though a lot of people suffer and there was a lot, it took a long time to make as people had day jobs and they were doing other things. And so editing this at night or, or, you know, doing those after, you know, post-production stuff, you know, uh, you know, as, as a side gig, it paid off very, very huge. And I just love that kind of uh, story, you know, where I'm sure a lot of people are like, this is bullshit. And why are we even doing this? And then it becomes this massively successful um, film and then a, a huge legacy built on top of it, you know, that is still, you know, to this day, you know, going strong. <laughs> right. But I'm, you started to say something. <laughs> oh, um, and what was it that I was going to say? Um, and now I can't remember. And that's what happened. It's okay. Yeah, it happens. That's, that's why I have to keep these notes going. So I write down something somebody says, like, oh, comment on that. <laughs> yeah, here we go. No, nope, here we go. This happens all the time with me at this point. <laughs> all right. So we are looking at uh, 1981. So tree rape does not seem to be too far <laughs> from <laughs> from something to expect in this film. Uh, so let's kind of talk a little bit about... Um, uh, the film itself. There was a. Uh, there's an article that I that will be in the comments. It's uh, what was it? Uh, it was like the Evil Dead. Oh man, something. Wow, shoot. What was the title? It was like the e- Evil Dead is like gutsy, gory, and misogynist. <laughs> like oh <Right>. yeah, <laughs> there it is. The Sam Raimi's classic is gutsy, gory, and misogynist. That's what it's from. The Guardian. Uh, it's linked uh, linked below in the in the, or you know whatever in the in the show notes. Uh, yeah. 
um, Joe and I were talking a little bit while he was watching it uh, about sort of like, you know, I mean, again, it's, you know, lots of films came before this that established these tropes of, of women in horror. Uh, you know, it's like the three women, it's Ash's girlfriend, Ash's sister, and then the other woman somebody else's girlfriend <laughs> they're all they can i mean there were times where i was watching it where i had to st- i had to keep kind of looking at this and not like i was like wait which woman is attacking him now who is who uh it's not well established no. <laughs> so we could just talk a little bit about that <laughs> no um I, and in hearing the history of that makes more sense now because some of the makeup was different like from mm-hmm. shot to shot and yeah. <laughs> it wasn't consistent with the three. So it was hard to tell them apart other than that one got locked in the creepy cellar, you know, right. Um, that, that <laughs> so was we knew her. <laughs> we knew her creepy cellar girl. Um, but yeah, that was the thing that I had forgotten about uh, entirely was the tree thing and how much it did go into all this really horrible tropes that women, I mean, it it was just like, oh, okay, here's the obligatory, you know, topless scene and, you know, and which makes, um, which, you know, I would like to say uh, maybe the story had called for it, but no, there was really, there was really no, it was, (laughs) was not, there was nothing really kind of consistent about, a lot of the story, except that suddenly they decided to play an old tape and these demons were now summoned and began to possess. At least they, I think it was the three women that became possessed first and the last was the other male. So Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, Scott. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is all true. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, obviously, again, they're, you know, they're making this on the budget they have. They're doing their best. Although that, like, stop motion animated sequence at the end is pretty freaking cool and probably took forever to make. Uh, you, but there is a lot of alternating between, like, well, that's clearly a, a, a tiny doll that they're using now. And then here's, like, some other kind of puppet. And now that might be somebody totally different in makeup that was shot, you know, a year later in a basement uh, as they did have to do some of that pickup, you know. You know, and, 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 you know, getting some more, you know, inserts or things like that by, you know, just filming it in people's garages, uh, as you're, yeah. as you're familiar with, or in the basement or somebody's house, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's just, but again, because we're looking at 1981 and we're looking at something that really established that sort of, um, you know, for so many people that saw this movie and then went on to make other horror in, into the nineties and now, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, the, these tropes existed obviously before, you know, Halloween came before this and you have, you know, titties and that, and you have, mm-hmm. you know, these kind of, you know, um, you know, the, the slutty quote unquote character is going to die. And, you know, so that it's kind of those, 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 those are in here. It's just, at least in like Halloween, like I, I, I know who, Na- you know, I know who each of the, the characters are. I know who Lori is, you know, you know, you know, you can distinguish them from each other but here it's just like ah we got three girls and we'll just figure it out (laughs) right (laughs) they're all the same (laughs) yeah yeah there was no establishment of any of them really and 
so there were things that happened that it made no sense. Like, for instance, his sister, um, suddenly she starts drawing this really weird drawing, like she's becoming possessed, but then never mentions it at dinner. And she's the one that's the most scared, but yet she is the one who goes outside. Right. out there like that. I was like, this makes no sense at all, at all. Why, why she's doing any of this. And it was just clearly because they didn't know what to do with her. It was, they didn't really have. Yeah. It's like they had a loose outline. Yeah. Loose outline. Loose outline. So, and this is what needs to happen. And this is what needs to happen. So you're going to do that, you know? So, yeah. It, it, it was, it feels that way. It was so strange because they're in that part where like, you know, Ash gives her the, the gift which i was like what the hell is this first of all like <laughs> i was like does she have like does she need a monocle like what is this uh <laughs> this gift <laughs> the necklace I, the I necklace I, with... let, let's see um i was i was very young at that age and all i wanted was a monocle necklace <laughs> <laughs> i was like this is something where like that's like a gift that you get uh, if you have, if you're terrible at gift giving, but like one day they said, "Hey, that looks cool," and you were just like hung on that. Um, but what I didn't understand was, so Ash's girlfriend receive, you know, before before she receives that, she goes and checks in on somebody, right? She goes to like check in on one of the girls. But then what I didn't get was how we got from checking in on the girls to like that same girl leaving. Um, cause like they think that was before, right? Cause that was the sister who left the house and got yes. raped by the trees, right? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. It was just, it was all very strange, but, but watching, watching it, I can see like, because I do remember the trailer for the remake, the 2013 remake, Evil, De- Evil Dead, and seeing like seeing just having only seen the trailer for the remake and having watched fully the Evil Dead, it's so interesting. Like the things that they pulled, so that way people could know that this is supposed to be like the more serious reference to the beginning. And so seeing it as like, oh, like the thing with the the cellar door and like her coming out of there and the trees and all of that. Um, and, and as as Joshua was mentioning, when I was watching and I was texting him, I said, you know, it's so strange to me to see um, a man survive a horror film. Like, <laughs> like it was. Oh, yeah. That was very unsettling to see it. Uh, a man survive a horror <laughs> film. But. But also at the same time, like this, the unsettling. The, I love that it's unsettling, <laughs> um, and and it, it's interesting because like we have like a man whose name is Ashley, right? Who you know, in there's a lot oh, of. Wait, hold, on, hold on one second before before we dive into that because that that's the next thing I that is the next topic I did want to talk about. But before we get into that, I just wanted to. Ask, I wish I could have been in the same room with you with the whole tree sequence. Like, what was going on in your head, Joe? Like, well, I was <laughs> I was eating French toast and. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I I was I took my breakfast in in um in my room and I was watching it and like it was so strange because I was like, man, if there there's someone out there with a weak stomach, like if they could just see me watching like 
all the gory parts like just eating breakfast casually i'm like maybe this is maybe this is how i know that i've become i've gone too far uh but i'm like eating french toast i'm just like looking up and i'm like what is going on what (laughs) the trees and uh, like that was i started laughing a little bit when all of the trees were like starting to like you know scratch at her and then it looked like her outfit changed Right? Was that? Did it? Well, she had like something on over it. I don't know. It was very weird. Yeah, because like I, I so I must have like looked down to eat. When I looked back up, she was in some completely different outfit, and I was like, "Is this still the same person?" Which, (laughs) um, so that was one, and then two, like to to just see like, um when when she is trying to leave with ash and then she's just screaming like they won't let us leave they won't let us leave and i'm like okay i i was like okay i can see why this is now in the horror comedy campy canon um moving forward and why they just had to do it you know they i had to do evil dead too um but tell us about um tell us about ashley uh, well, I was just going to say, I just, um, I, I, watching this, that sequence. So there was a movie that came out, I think in the 90s before, and I saw it before I saw The Evil Dead. It was called The Guardian about this like maynad, dryad kind of woman who kidnaps babies and feeds them to this tree. And there's like these very erotic scenes with her in this tree. <laughs> and so I remember seeing this and just thinking like, hmm. This is just what trees do, I guess. In, in <laughs> horror movies. Like, there's like this erotic kind of thing. And then I think of Little Shop of Horrors, you know, when the plant is like, you know, talking to Audrey and its tentacles are all, or its uh, vines, not tentacles, but its vines are all over her and stuff. It's like, there's just something, I don't know, there's something to explore there about like the, the, the eroticism of trees. And like, I was like, are you, are you, these, th- these rapist trees? Like, what is happening? <laughs> what are we trying to, to say? Like, are you are you saying that there's like a subgenre of horror that's like dendrophiliac horror where it's just <laughs> I don't like know it's people... just something okay <laughs> there's just something in that I don't know anyways yes so to move on to talk about yes we have a final <laughs> I'm done I, I, I yeah I was like well now I've heard everything like <laughs> I'm just yeah, I don't we went know to, we went to plant kink and that was it that's enough yeah you know? yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's just it can't be avoided in this film because it was just it's one of the few things that like Raimi kind of um, regrets about the film, you know, and says like that. Yeah, maybe maybe that went a little too far. <laughs> it's just a bizarre scene. But anyway, so yes, to talk about like masculinity and, uh, you know, the final boy uh, trope uh, that we have seen. This is again, this is early, you know, 1981, you know, having this kind of a final guy uh, situation. And like you started to bring up uh, Joe, um, you know, Ash is short for Ashley. So there, there's sort of, I don't know, there's just some clues in the beginning, like um, the car, for instance, that they're driving is Ash's car, but he's not driving it. His friend is driving it, which I think is kind of an interesting thing. Cause I don't know many, men that I know that want somebody else driving their car. I I just feel like it's kind of, um, there's sort of like right from the beginning, like sort of this emasculating kind of thing with him, you know, like his friend is the one driving his car to this cabin, you know, instead of him. I don't know. It was just a, it was just a, a, something I I wrote down that I thought was interesting Mm -hmm. because they talk about it being his car. And in this time frame, I don't know. It just kind of puts him in an interesting place, I think. And then, and then as the, as it goes on, he's sort of this, 
kind of, I don't want to say exactly cowardly, although he is, you know, he like backs away from the killing of people. He's very much like, you know, it's kind of, it's different than the final girl thing who, you know, like with Laurie Strode, you know, she kind of stands out from her friends and she's, you know, she doesn't necessarily, and other, other final girl types, you know, they're, they're like ready to fight pretty quickly. Whereas like it takes, they pushes, the film pushes and pushes and pushes him till finally he has to, to fight because he's the only one left. You know, um, so it's kind of a, it's a different way, a different journey to finding that like power. You know, I don't know. That, let, let's just chat about that, Joe. Well, it immediately establishes Ash right as this beta, right as this beta male. So you have um, his friend who uh, Jake, right? Um, so his friend um, as the alpha, and then you have yeah. him as as his um, uh, was it Jake or Scott? Scott, Scott in the in this Scott, I, you might yeah. have yeah, yeah yeah I might have something else up from another from an uh something else but oh I have it from <laughs> Evil Dead two uh yeah. Evil Dead one <laughs> Evil Dead one is what we're talking about um but yeah so you have him establishing as this like um this like beta male even though he's using his own even though he's using his own car he's the one he's definitely more timid he's um he's in the back seat with the other two women right so um. So, you know, he's already kind of lumped in into, like, the female. He's already, like, feminized in that way. And it's fascinating to see how his journey going through that, because he still is timid, like, he's about to kill his girlfriend, but then doesn't when she transforms back and then eventually has to make that choice. Um, he's, like, uh, when, his, when Scott... Um, right before his transformation, he's like nursing him, you know, giving him some water um, or whatever drink that was, which by the way, like that was, that was, I laughed out loud to that part because when he's like giving him water, he's just like pouring it in his mouth <laughs> and it's just going <laughs> everywhere. It's not even being, it's just like, and we'll see you good. And I'm like, oh God, this is hilarious. So, but <laughs> But he already has Don't these. Don't try to help me, man. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, but you see that he has these, like, you know, these kind of quote unquote feminine traits of being the one who's nurturing. It's difficult for him to kill. That's not his first instinct. Yeah, and that visual until... language. Yeah, yeah, that. exactly. And so it's it's it was such an interesting choice because, like, why not? Um, why have it be, you know, a final boy character as opposed to final girl? But then at the same time, if you think about, if you think about Sam Raimi as like, you know, writer, director, this auteur, um, this is almost like a stand in for him, you know, for that mm. sort of wish for film. I mean, I mean, I, this is total speculation. I don't know if he's ever talked about this, but like, it's this seems whole show be... is speculation. Yes. <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs> so, but like, you know, it, it almost seems a little bit like you're, you're doing that stand in, um, for yourself being overcoming the horror and you are, um, you're able to see yourself in that. Plus, I mean, you know, a, a young Sam Raimi, a young Bruce Campbell kind of look the same. Um, it's very, it, I, I wonder if that is something that maybe he, maybe is a consideration for him, you know, for, for why it's a final boy character. Cause we've talked about this, uh, Joshua several times and, and especially, um, Sam Weinman, our, you know, our dear friend, filmmaker, Sam Weinman has also talked about like queer people seeing themselves as the final girl. So, you know, in, in absence of like a true queer final character that like lives through the evil, we see ourselves as like the Sydney, as the Laurie Strode, as the Nancy. And, um, 
And in this way, it was like, it seemed as almost this was a way for Sam Raimi to see himself as the person who overcomes rather than uh, one of the, like, one of the many cis straight white men <laughs> who get killed off in horror films. Um, I don't know. Jenny, what do you think? Um, it was really interesting because I have seen um, a, a few of the sequels and then going back to this and something that um, uh, my spouse commented on was like, he was like, he's not, he's, he can't even, he he, he has the axe. He knows that he's supposed to dismember these bodies, but he can't do it. And I was just thinking, and when I was watching it this time, in terms of like the whole series, like this is um, him coming to those horrible depths that he has to get to in order to survive. That was kind of, that was what I saw and, and watching this again is just that whole, um, he, he didn't have it in him to kill her. He didn't have it in him to dismember a body. He didn't have it. And he even tries at one point and, and fails. And, um, so it, it kind of sets the tone for the subsequent films in in what he eventually becomes. And so it was really interesting to watch this again, you know, however many years, like, you know, 81. So I probably saw this, I'm going to guess in probably 84 or 85. Um, I definitely would have seen this in 81. And, um, and just watching it, I was like, ah, this set the tone for the whole thing of what he would eventually come with a guy without a hand and a chainsaw on one hand. So that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's just kind of how I, I was watching and seeing and observing. But yeah, um, uh, and his name being Ashley, you know, I, I don't. At that time, and even that, I think that's a Southern name, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, people get named, men get named Ashley, you know, yeah. that it is very Southern gentleman kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. And there's a joke, I think, in a later film that his middle name is Joanne. I think I wrote, I read that somewhere that there's like something where um, his name is Ashley Joanne, which might be purposefully playing on that idea but there's something else that established like a comic or something that established it as james so i don't know but um I, I just think it's interesting for this type of character in this kind of film for him to be portrayed this way especially you know as we're moving into the 80s and i think of films like rambo and the terminator and um you know uh like patrick sways it like roadhouse like you know uh big trouble in little china you know uh 81 we also get or 80 or 81 we get the thing with um kurt russell, kurt russell. you know this kind of idea of like a man in horror is like you know you know terminator i think of that or not terminator i just said that uh, predator that's what i'm looking for predator you know sort of the 80s is such a uh, such a decade of these like ultra masculine like men who are ready to you know to face down whatever entity is coming at them you know and you have ash sticking out at least in this first film because obviously in the later films they make kind of use of him being sort of 
arrogant and cocky and a lot of times responsible for the mayhem <laughs> rather than helping solve it. Uh, you know, he's kind of, you know, his response to it makes it worse, you know, so it's kind of a, a it just kind of builds on that sort of uh, archetype, uh, which we know and love in horror and action films and all kinds of things, you know, that that's very, that's its own thing. But here in this particular film, I don't know, I just think it's so interesting coming out of the 70s uh, and, and into the 80s with, you know, so many like action films kind of focusing on this sort of very powerful masculinity. He is not, he's not doing that, you know? And I, I don't know. It made me really watching this film with this kind of insane, you know, misogyny happening uh, on one level um, as, as was happening in lots of horror and still happens in lots of horror. You have this male figure who's just very different, like, you know, just kind of the opposite of, of that, um, of, of what you expect to find in a, in a horror film, you know, <laughs> you kind of expect him to charge in as like going to save my girlfriend and get killed. And then she survives, but instead it's this, you know, totally different experience. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Je- the Sam squanch was coming in and I'm like, he's doing things on the side. I'm like, I'm totally distracted. <laughs> 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 I don't know what he's doing. Are you trying to do something dear? Okay, well, you're interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, so any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I to to Jenny's point about like it being um, like a southern name, like you know Ashley is one of the names I believe of the suitors in Gone with the Wind, right? So, huh? so you know, so and and it just feels very like genteel southern for like his sister to be like Ashley, help me, Ashley, help me. Um, and interesting for me because I, I didn't know that that was short for anything. Like, I really didn't know that was short for anything until watching this. I'm like, well, who is, when she said it, she was like, when she said it for the first time, I was like, who the hell is Ashley? Is one of these, is there a fourth, <laughs> is there a fourth girl in here that I had no idea was in here? And, and no, it's, it's him. And then I thought like, oh, I wonder why then, um, because I've never, in any horror convention that we've ever gone to, I've never heard him referred to as Ashley at all. But yeah. again, that's that's the power of the sequels, right? And the power of who Bruce Campbell has like molded the character to become is this Ash, um, like very mask figure. So um, that I thought was interesting in watching this. I'm, I'm like, I had to rewind a little bit. I'm like, did there's there, one of these girls named Ashley? I, I didn't know they had names. Um, <laughs> right. Right. right she's like i was like she's screaming for a she's oh, screaming God. ashley help her but she's looking at bruce campbell <laughs> like why is she doing this um so yeah so that was um that was one of the funnier but like you know again the more confusing parts for me is just like trying to figure out what the name i uh yeah it's um yeah it's very interesting. Um, so I was going to just do kind of a rundown. Was there any other stray thoughts about the film? I, I do think that you can kind of see, Joe, I mean, with all the horror films we've watched, you could probably see some of the, um, you know, some of the the things that have been borrowed from from this and, and kind of feeds into other films. Obviously, we talked about The Cabin in the Woods. It's such clearly a comment on this whole film and is almost a remake of it until you kind of get what the point is. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, absolutely. The the scene with the like the the throwing open of the cellar door and going down and seeing all the different artifacts to reading the book and the you know the ancient language that comes out of it. Like all of that is straight from Evil Dead. Um, it's interesting, but like I think that. Um, yeah, I guess that you you could draw a parallel to like Friday the Thirteenth because it takes place at a summer camp where there's many cabins and woods in the woods. But yeah. I, I think like the most, um, it, it's interesting because I'm still trying. It, but like that idea of like the five strangers and you know going from there, I I did try to pick out. You know, having watched Cabin in the Woods, I tried to pick out if maybe there were like correlations for the different characters. So like the virgin, the whore, all of that you know, um, all of that, um, those different archetypes. Archetypes. Yeah, I didn't really find it. But again, like it's, I don't think that those particular archetypes serve the, serve Evil Dead in that way. Yeah, well, they're not fleshed out. I mean, particularly the women aren't as fleshed out. Yeah, exactly. It it requires there to be more context and exposition fleshing out the characters. (laughs) Right. Um. Yeah, I, um, cause I, I, uh, I was trying to, you know, watching the film again and I was trying to be like, okay, so if, if this is like the, you know, the, the, like horror as the punishment for being evil and you're going to die because you did some transgressions, who's, who's, what, are, what are, and it really seemed very innocent in a lot of ways, like none of them had really done anything. They were going away to this. And it wasn't even that they had any sort of ill intentions, although there was an actual sex scene, but it really was kind of went by. I'm not talking about, you know what I mean? It was like the obligatory uh, boob shot and then it was gone, mm-hmm. you know? So um, that, you know, it, it just wasn't, flushed out in the way that I don't think that this was, I don't see what commentary we were making on society for this one. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see any of that at all. Um, other than um, there's um, evil demons that are conjured when you say these words and don't, and you did that. So you brought them like you brought it on yourself Um uh, it's what happens when you don't mind your own business, you know? Right, right. <laughs> Why did you go to this cabin? Oh, the cabin was cheap. It was the commentary on capitalism. We're going to take it back. Right. They got the yeah. cheap. That was it. That was it. That was it. Um, and, uh, uh, no, can we, before we move on, are we going to talk about the horror special effects? Because I really love those. <laughs> Yeah, we can definitely talk about. There are some great moments in this that are. There's some really terrible stuff, but there's also yes. some cool things. Uh, what in particular? Oh, I just um, what's there was a couple of things that happened. One was um, when the oatmeal came out. Do you remember? I was like, first of all, there was like suddenly this white frothy kind of flowing fluid that came out and I was like oh did we just is, is this coming from alien you know like is that, right um you know uh you're suddenly possessed and then you have this white stuff that comes out so there was the white stuff and then there was like the bigger death scene with um the oatmeal I was like 
as soon as that came out, I was like, that's oatmeal. That's not the greatest effect. Yeah. yeah. We just have some oatmeal. It's just going to come out and it looks terrible. Um, But um, I think it was the point when, was it he cut off his girlfriend's head? Is that and it was just like a bloodbath. It was just like yeah. all the blood just coming in. It got in his mouth and everything. He was just like covered in blood. And then five seconds later, he didn't have all that blood on him. Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's know, lots there of was, inconsistency. Yes. <laughs> and there was no, there was no uh, continuity going on. So, yes. Yes. So. Yeah. He said that like there were days where he'd have to travel back to like wherever they were like staying while they were making this film and like laying down in the back of a truck because it would get so stiff uh there was also um there was some anecdotal stuff about uh breaking like a shirt cracked because it, it got so hard from, like, the, oh. <laughs> from all this caro syrup and you know all, everything that they were using and you know they were just constantly filthy and gross um it does not look like it was fun to make at all so no, i hope that no. people got paid uh in the aftermath of its success <laughs> right. although maybe not my favorite thing with the special effects was there was a scene where he hits one of the girls and you can tell that it's like a dummy. Like <laughs> it collapses in a way that is like this is not uh this is not a flesh and blood person. And then when he um when he takes one of the like I think it's when they're in when he's in the woods and he's just decapitated the the girlfriend and he like takes like a wood like a piece of wood or like a post or something and you can tell that it is just fake as <laughs> all get out and 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 like and i'll be honest like watching it on you know cuz i have this like i have a nicer tv i have a 4k uh tv and it's you know six you know it goes 50-50 when you're trying to watch something older whether or not like the quality is going to be good and this was actually fairly decent quality but like you could just see every like this is fake like you know this this was not made with high definition televisions and filmmaking in mind um which made me you know oddly enough made me appreciate more how we're able to do like practical effects in the age of hd now like with with you yeah. know all of the um how people are just like still filmmakers still want to have like these practical effects and not rely necessarily on computers um absolutely and, and you have and an then, audience that's way more discerning and looking for, you know. Exactly. And you have, um, and then I just like, okay, well, maybe they, I was like, maybe this is a, maybe this takes place in a cabin in the woods, um, specifically because uh, they could just do and scream whatever they want <laughs> and no one's going to come and no one's going to come running uh, because like, I just kept thinking about it. I'm like, wow, how much horror is made uh, based on entirely on what they have access to and circumstance, right? So right. just like we want to be able to wreck a room, cover it in blood, scream as much as we want. And, you know, you can't do that in like a regular house with neighbors. You have to go someplace isolated. Um, it, so it'd be, it, it'd be interesting to see like if these early films, you know, where, or filmmakers that, you know, at the beginning of their careers, where if they had those type, that type of access to um, different locations, how different it might have, how it might've informed like the entire genre. Like, can you imagine right. if like he was, if this wasn't cabin in the woods, it was like house in the cul-de-sac or something. And <laughs> so, but yeah. 
Well, we got Halloween for that, you know, which influenced that whole uh, um, urban, you know, urban. Uh, what was it? There was a word for it. Urban sprawl. Yeah, but there right? was like this whole like term we talked about with uh, urban urban spaces. Um, anyways, yeah. Totally, you know. I mean, so much of it is is made that way that yeah, it informs an entire genre. That's a good, it's uh, a good observation, Joe. I dig it. Um, all right. Well, before we wrap up, just uh, you know, uh, if you're going to watch The Evil Dead and you want to have a Cabin in the Woods marathon, there's some uh, some good suggestions. Um, uh, what keeps you alive came out in 2018. We actually should do that on the show, Joe, because it's explicitly queer. It's about a lesbian couple. Um, it's supposed to be really oh, good. Is that the one where one of them's possessed? Uh, I've not seen it, so we should watch it. Okay. And we'll do it for the okay. show. Um, so other ones. I love the Strangers from 2008. That's a great cabin in the woods. You know, couple fighting. They go to the woods to you know figure it out, and guess what? Strangers show up and wreak havoc. Uh, good times. Obviously, you know. Um, Friday the 13th is a great uh, pairing with this. Antichrist from 2009. If you're in uh, Lars von Trier, Trier, however you say his name, if you're in that, uh, if you're in a mood for, for his. <laughs> uh, Deliverance. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I think that we really should uh, – explore watching the evil dead too. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll come back around and, uh, we'll watch that and do a compare and contrast paper later, Joe. <laughs> that sounds good. Do you have me. love for that as well, Jenny? Evil oh dead too. The evil dead too is hilarious. And that's where you see, like, they kind of almost make fun of themselves in some ways. Um, and just like, it is, it's delicious camp. It's delicious camp as, as uh, far as I remember. Now I could watch it again and go, Oh yeah. Um, but, um, <laughs> at, you know, um, spoiler alert, um, the girl without the head comes back for a scene. Um, so, you know, nice. but, but, um, I I will be watching it again just to see it again, and um, because I haven't really, I think I saw Army of Darkness, but I haven't seen anything since. Like that okay. was kind of my end of 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 watching this interesting uh, phenomenon. So right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um, it would be interesting to uh to explore and watch the the other films because there's hardcore fan base for especially for two and for Army of Darkness and and Ash and this whole this whole world that was built. So this was a lot of fun to go back and rewatch this. I haven't seen this movie in years. Uh, you know, it gets referenced in plenty of horror docs, and you know, lots of people when you're talking to them, like, oh, Evil Dead, I love the Evil Dead, I love Evil Dead too, I love Army of Darkness. You know, they, you know, there's a there's a there's a massive um. Uh, amount that has been explored and talked about and, you know, the fandom, as we said. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that you brought this to us. It was really fun to rewatch it this morning and just be like, what the... Right. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. This was really a lot of fun. And um, Yeah, yay. Good times. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh folks, we will uh we'll be back next week with uh, you know, more more horror filled fun, right, Jill? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> From the from the virtual learning center, right? Exactly. All right. Well, thanks again, Jenny, for being here with us. Jenny Olson Six, check her out. Find her. 
find her on 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 the interwebs uh we'll have uh we'll have in the show notes you know ways to follow up with uh with what she's up to and uh joe i love you man and i miss you and i can't wait till we can all be in the same room again i can't wait either yeah so all right good night good night everyone Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.